Hi, and welcome to the West Visaya Audio Podcast. These messages are designed to help you grow and inspire you to take action. Please take a second to hit the subscribe button and don't be shy to send us a message when you have questions. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy this conversation on the life of Jesus. Good evening. Thanks for tuning in to our online Bible study through the book of Matthew. We're excited again to be in the text of this magnificent book tonight. I do want to do a quick apology. We know there was an issue with the video um, that was posted last week. Um, We lost the end part of the conversation that we were having. We're going to try to get that uploaded, but I know that you guys are good students of God's Word anyway. So you, I'm sure, picked up where we left off, and even though we didn't finish out the parable of the tares and the costly pearl and the dragnet there the way we wanted, uh, I'm sure you were able to, um, you know, get the gist of what we were talking about. But tonight we are in Matthew chapter 14, and we've just finished up a section where Jesus, you know, we're in the middle of his earthly ministry, he's finished up a section on parables, and now we kind of have this little, I don't know, kind of almost a side note here about what happened to a man by the name of John the Baptist, and that's what we're going to pick up here this week. But anything by way of review that you guys want to bring up that uh, before we get into the text tonight that we need to remind our audience of? Uh, no, I, I, don't, I don't think so, it's just that... We, we've seen Matthew hit this theme, and, and just remember that the purpose of him writing this book is to show that Jesus is the Messiah. He's more than a prophet. He, he's the Messiah. Right. He's more than a prophet. He's the Messiah. And Matthew's full of proof after proof after proof that Jesus is just that. And we've just finished up uh, one of his big teaching sections, and his teaching ability shows him to be the Messiah. To keep that question in mind, why are the Jewish leaders rejecting Jesus? Yeah. Why are the Jewish leaders rejecting Jesus? You know, and then... Again, you know, we kind of hit this theme through 12 and 13, you know, good hearts and bad hearts, good fruit, bad fruit. Oh, yeah. You know, what what is the continuity when we look at the context of Herod and what Jesus is talking about when he explains what the kingdom is like? And then going forward even more than that, what is what is the point Matthew is trying to show between the characters that he draws out? In these, so in Matthew these is bringing out these different characters for right. a reason, obviously, by inspiration. Right. And we're supposed to take lessons from them, kind of answering the question, why the Jewish leaders reject right. Jesus and you know, prove that Jesus is anytime we Anytime we look or read at a narrative, characters usually point to something uh, about a flaw or uh, something good in an individual. So when we look at you know somebody like Herod, there's, we're going to talk about him in a minute, but... Or we look at somebody like the Pharisees. What is the contrast? We look at somebody like Jesus. What What's the contrast? We look at people like the disciples. What are they asking? What are they learning? What are they looking at? And, the narrative and who kind of, am I in that story right. too? And the narrative kind of helps us to understand what's our place in all this. Very good. So, Well, let's get into this because this is an exciting chapter oh, yeah. here, yeah. chapter 14. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so it says, at that time, Herod, the Tetrarch, Heard the news about Jesus. Now, we're familiar with Herod. It is a family name, you know, from my understanding. So there's different Herods mentioned in the Bible. um, And Herods were all bad, so you can kind of have a general rule. If it mentions Herod, he's a bad guy. Herod was ruling the area there of Judea. He was allotted a certain amount of authority by the Roman government and able to exercise law there. He didn't have the full power of someone like Pilate or Caesar or something like that, but he had power. And here he is. He says to his servants... This is John the Baptist. Well, let's back up. I kind of wrote over that quickly. But Herod heard the news about Jesus. So Herod hears what Jesus is doing. He hears about the miracles. He hears about the teaching. And he wants to know who Jesus is. And he says to his servants, 
This is John the Baptist. He has risen from the dead, and that is why miraculous powers are at work in him. So it's it's an interesting turn because uh, just Matthew just drops this bomb. And, oh, by the way, John the Baptist is dead. Herod thinks that Jesus is John the Baptist raised right. from the dead. Yeah. So Herod has a, I guess has kind of this chip on his shoulder a little bit here because we're going to find out why in a second. But Herod's gut reaction when he hears about the amazing things Jesus is doing is to think John the Baptist is risen from the dead. Yeah. And notice though, he mentions the miraculous powers at work. Herod acknowledges the miracles of Jesus, right. but he's afraid and thinking, who is doing these miracles? Right. Now, when well, you're probably going to get this, but Matthew throws this in here. Matthew's readers are going, whoa, whoa, whoa what happened to John the Baptist? Yeah. Because we last thing we heard about John the Baptist, he's a great guy. He's doing all these wonderful things, asking questions about Jesus. Right. And now we find out John the Baptist is dead, and Jesus is going to answer what happened. Yeah. Matthew's going to answer what happened here in a second. Now, this is... John the Baptist is a key figure in all of this. You know, mm-hmm. he's a prophet from the beginning. Chapter three, we see John the Baptist come on the scene, and he's preaching this message that is eventually passed on to Jesus, yeah. where Jesus is preaching this message. And then, and then, now, John, what's that message? Uh, the kingdom is at he- uh, repent for the kingdom is at heaven. Yeah, is at that's the message you. So then we see John get locked up, and he's asking questions of Jesus. And he's asking questions, sending his disciples mm-hmm. to ask questions of who Jesus is and what what's his identity and and how does John play into all this? Are you the one? Is the is that the question? Are you the one we we're seeking, or is yeah. there another? Yeah. Um, chapter eleven and verse three, I think, is where he says that. And then these all throughout this chapter, chapter sixteen, he's mentioned. In fact, sixty-five times in thirty-four verses, John the Baptist wow. is mentioned. So he's, he's a key figure. Yeah, in Matthew. he is an, absolutely a key figure in Matthew, and I think he's contrasted with. Um, with with the character of Jesus, they think that John is this is this figure that they've been looking for. They think he's the Messiah, many do. Right, but he's the forerunner for the Messiah. Yeah, he's so, the he's the prequel showing them you know what's to come and everything else. Right, and it's interesting that Matthew. I mean, it's been really neat to see how Matthew builds upon himself yeah. throughout the book. And yeah. so if we we look back uh, in the end of chapter thirteen, verse fifty eight, when Jesus was uh, around uh, in his hometown, around those who knew him. Um, he says he didn't do very many mighty right. works. Yeah. But then here, Herod is acknowledging and the he mighty did works. the mighty works, yeah. And, and, and if you remember back, the whole purpose of miracles is to be a, a test of the fact that Jesus mm-hmm. has power, that, that this person has power, right. and to, to reinforce the message uh, that they're bringing. And, and so the miraculous powers that are exhibited by Jesus is reinforcing the message. Yeah. I think Herod misses it a little bit yeah but it's reinforcing that message and herod now is afraid a bit i think right i i was gonna say yeah well let's read let's read it (laughs) says for when herod so matthew drops his bomb like you said on us john the baptist is dead and all of us are going what happened so now he tells us what happened for when herod had john arrested he bound him and put him in prison because of herodias the wife of his brother philip For John had been saying to him, It is not lawful for you to have her. Although Herod wanted to put him to death, he feared the crowd because they regarded John as a prophet. So now here's the scene, and it's it could be on Maury Povich or something like that. This is kind (laughs) of a it's a weird drama unfolding here, but but here's our here's our situation. You have a man named Philip, who's the brother of Herod, who's married to a woman named Herodias. Herodias leaves Philip and marries Herod. And John, John's a preacher of the gospel. John is, you know, going to 
call out sin for sin, he tells, and somehow he's having a dialogue with, you know, here and all of this, but he tells Herod, it is not lawful for you to have her. So it's not lawful for, for Herod to be married to Herodias. Right. And, I mean, it goes against God's law in Leviticus, I understand. I mean, yeah. if, if, she had, if Philip had died, he could have married her and that kind of thing. But, no, she just up and leaves him and marries someone else. Philip's left there hanging, and she's now run off with another guy, basically. It's against God's law. I think, too, this is a, this is a case of bad heart. Mm-hmm. I think the contrasting ideology we see here is, is and I like the question that you asked, um, you know, how do we react when somebody calls us under sin? Maybe the question is, how do people with bad hearts react when they're called out for the sin? And I think that John, you know, John obviously, you know, is well-intentioned and he's trying to fulfill the law by telling Herod, who is a Jew, he had had to be a Jew to rule over the Jewish people because they wouldn't respect him if he wasn't. And so even though his loyalties are to the Roman government, he's a, a Jew by birth who's in... Uh, who's in a position of power over Jewish people because he's a Jewish. Even but when he's called out on his sin, yes. like, like you're pointing so, out. That's what I was going okay, yeah. But no, so, because uh, let, let's make sure our audience knows where we're at with this too. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. John has been telling Herod you're in, in sin. Right. Herod doesn't like that. Right. So Herod wants to do what? Right. He wants to put him, well, he, said, he says right here, for Herod had seized John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias. His yeah, so he arrested him, but he wanted to kill him. Yeah. He yeah. wanted to, to silence him. Yeah, he wanted yeah. To, to get him to stop talking. Yeah. You're call, instead of saying, wow, I should repent, he goes, I don't like your message. I'm going to kill you. But Herod doesn't do that. Why? Because he, he's fearful of the people. Yeah. Right. And I think we see the same thing uh, in verse 9, which we'll get to. But there's this, there's this respect, a uh, fear yeah. uh, for, for the people yeah. uh, because they valued John the Baptist, and, right. and we see that they value Jesus as well. I don't know if it's so much of a, of a respect, but I think he might be a people pleaser a little bit here. And I think we're seeing a character flaw in him later that's going to come out with the crowds at the there party. There is a pattern of that. Yeah. 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 It's, well, what are the people going to think? And sometimes good leaders don't always, I mean, we need to respect the people sure. and all that, but, but sometimes you have to help direct it in a good direction instead of just going along with the crowd. And you have to... Make a decision, yeah. And sometimes, by by making a decision, there are some people who will not. Agree and Herod with doesn't it. make the good tough decisions. Yeah. Right. But so, I, and what did oh. people do with prophet? I mean, what did folks, Jewish people in the Old Testament, do with prophets who preached against their kingdom? Well, either follow them or kill them. Yeah. Them. Well, yeah. and then go back to Matthew chapter five and verse twelve, where he says, you know, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness. Say, John, he by here by all means is being persecuted for the sake of righteousness. He's trying to help a man who's born into the Jewish community to come back. But again, I don't think that that's necessarily the the pinpoint of this. I think it's pointing out a character flaw of you know someone with a, a bad heart producing not so good fruit, mm-hmm. um, contrasted with someone who is does have a good heart and is producing good fruit, yeah, regardless and, of his circumstance. Yeah, and and it's neat because. Um, John, he identifies that bad fruit. They're the right. size of the bad fruit. Yeah. And so what we see here um, in verse 4 that John has been saying this to him. And it, it, that, that verb tense is it's, he's continually he's saying. Right. It's not just a one and done. Right. He's continually telling him that, right. hey, this isn't right. This isn't right. So he's continually preaching the truth. And as a result, his life is taken from him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's, it's important for us to take and look at this. Uh, and, and what you were alluding to is a conversation we had before we started recording mm-hmm. When we are confronted with our sin, what is our reaction? Yeah. 
Herod was confronted with sin, and he wanted to snuff it out and, and silence the people who were calling him out. Yeah, right. Uh, do we have the same? If you are, are, are have found that I have sinned, right. good luck, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I'm joking. Uh, but if you have found out that I'm sinned and you call me out on it and yeah. I don't change, you continuously call me out on it, um, I, I have an obligation to, to repent, to listen right. to you and repent and be thankful for it. Right. But oftentimes it's, it's, a, it's our nature to, I, I will just avoid you. Instead of having sure. to fix something on my own, I'll just avoid you or try to silence you or ignore you. Right. Uh, and that's what Herod did with John. And there's indications from other passages that John was would go and visit, uh, or uh, Herod would go and visit John the Baptist, and he liked what he was saying. In Mark's gospel, there's a point there, different point, but there's an indication that there's a relationship here between John and and Herod. He saw something unique and, in him. Yeah, and he saw something unique in John. And regardless of you know, again, regardless of his circumstance or what he's doing. You know, he, he's put really in a bind in this next section where <laughs> he, he has very much trouble getting out, like you alluded to. You know, he's kind of being a people pleaser, but in a sense, I, I, I think also, and maybe I'll just hold this and, and we can go forward and then I'll okay. explain kind of where I'm seeing this so you can see it as well um, in the passage. But I think that John, John and Herod, you know, have this relationship and that's why we see the guilt part of okay well I could see John. that you know because um, I mean he obviously knew something special yeah. about John and if John's gonna later we're gonna read about here saying it's put to death he's gonna sure. have some guilt well right. let, let's see what happens so Herod verse 5 Herod wanted to put him to death but he feared the crowd because they also respected John they call him a prophet right. so verse 6 now here's the scene that's unfolds I'll read through it but when Herod's birthday came the daughter of Herodias danced <laughs> before them and please Herod so Herod's stepdaughter, right? I mean, his, no, niece. His, his, niece. his niece, who's also now his, his stepdaughter, stepdaughter <laughs> is parading oh, around at the party, at Herod's birthday party, I'm assuming in a provocative way, yeah. and it's pleasing to Herod. Right. So he's lusting, I'm assuming here, after his niece-slash-stepdaughter, right. Right. and he's allowing her to be paraded around this party like that. So he's infatuated with her, verse 7, so much that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she asked. So I don't know if he's showing off at the party a little bit, like, oh, come over here and dance for us. I'll give you whatever you want kind of thing. So he does that. But apparently she had already been coaxed by her mother to ask for something specific. So maybe the mom is saying, go on out there, parade yourself around this party to see what you can get. And... He, um, she had been prompted by her mother, verse 8, saying, Give me here on a platter the head of John the Baptist. So Herodias also doesn't like John. Herodias has been called out on her sin in this relationship. So she coaxes her daughter to manipulate her stepdad, who's also her uncle, to right. behead John the Baptist. Right. And there it stops, and we find out that John the Baptist is troubled by this. So, or not John the Baptist, Herod is troubled by this. Yeah. Well, and right. that's what, because he, he had made this oath, and so he now is obligated to keep this oath. Right. Um, and and it, it's, it's, it's sad and it's scary, but we can learn a ton from this. Uh, I mean, what, what are we told? We're told to let our yes be yes and our no be no, yeah. um, to not just go around and just throw off these, these random oaths. That we need to be true to what we actually say. So he, he flippantly makes his promise. I imagine, I'll give you whatever you want, you're so pretty, something well, like that. It's in the moment kind it's of thing. It's in the moment kind yeah. of thing. And, but now he's called out on it. Right. Okay, give me the head of John the Baptist. And verse 9 says, although he was grieved because um, the king commanded it to be given because of the oaths, 
and because of his dinner guest. This is why I think he cares too much about yeah. the people. Yeah. And his dinner guests were most likely, it's my assumption, yeah. that they were also high on the political scheme. Yeah, and, and so he, he's trying to maintain the, this political power, this political position, right. and save face at the same time. Yeah. So he's talking a big he's, game, parading a pretty girl around in front of his other influential bad guest. Well, he doesn't think he's, she's going to ask for that. that yeah. That's obvious. I mean, he, he doesn't think that that's what she's going to ask for from from that standpoint. You know, he's he's after power. He's yeah. after, I want to keep my powerful position. Mm-hmm. And the company that's in my presence are my military commanders, are my officers, are the people that who are under me. And if they find this weakness that I'm not going to fulfill an oath that I made to somebody, they're going to overthrow me from power. So I can't look weak in front of the people. Okay, that's, maybe that, yeah, yeah. That's what Mark would tell us. Uh, that's what Mark would say is is that there's this influence of not only Herodias uh, influencing her daughter to you know get the head of John the Baptist, but there's all these people there that are that are in a politically powerful position. And he doesn't and, want to lose his no. cloud and influence. I mean, I that's what I can see from this passage. I don't know if that's exactly you know what Matthew's drawing here. Uh, to tell us, um, I see it as like it's like Jeffrey Epstein bringing over a bunch of guys from Hollywood and Bill Clinton yeah. or something, yeah. and now he's talking a big game, and now he wants to still continue to look like he's top dog. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's it's an awful situation, right. but he does it. He follows the request. Verse right. ten: He sent and had John beheaded in in the prison, and the head was brought on a platter and given to the girl, and she brought it to her mother. Mother. So you have this like horrible situation, but think about it. a man who Jesus said there's no one greater that's ever been on this earth than John the Baptist is put to death because of some slime ball oath in front of dinner guests. Yeah. That's how awful it is. Right. Well, and it all goes back to the, the, the reason he was put to death was because he uh, shone light on a sin. Yeah. Uh, and so he exposed a sin, and sin is ugly yeah. in right. the light. That's why everything bad that happens is... More than likely going to happen at night. Nothing good happens after, what, 10 o'clock? Remember that, Owen. Mm-hmm. Owen's here with our sound engineer tonight. So we're going to um, preach to him often. So, <laughs> so everything that we talk about tonight is mainly directed at Owen. Um, but sin doesn't like the light. And we try to either to get away from it or, or snuff it out. And here, Herod and Herodias both snuffed out John the Baptist. Yeah, they didn't like what, instead of listening, they just said, we got to get rid of him. And people do that to us today. And or even ourselves, we'll do that. We don't like what someone's telling us, and we'll just, I don't know, kick them out of our life if we don't like what they're telling us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you uh, let me interject briefly, uh, and I, I want to. I think we'll, we'll we need to circle back to it later. Yeah. But you're talking about what Matthew is getting at, mm-hmm. uh, and I want to look at, at this word that shows up four times in yeah. Herod's section, but yeah. then a couple more times in the next section that we'll get mm-hmm. to, and it's this give yeah. word. And so here, Herod gave something to his niece. Right. Uh, and we're going to look and see what Jesus gives the crowds. And so right. I think Matthew is drawing a direct comparison between Herod and how he gives. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then also here, it's interesting, um, I want to look at not only the gift that was given, the reason why it was given, but also the way that Herod um, reacted to those who followed him and those right. that were under his command. Because here uh, we see that he gave the head of John the Baptist, right. and he had... Um, 
people, uh, he directed people to go kill John mm -hmm. and right. bring the head back. And we're going to see how Jesus directs his people um, to serve as opposed to, to kill. And, and yeah. it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting contrast here um, that I'm excited to thunder? see. Yeah, he stole my thunder. Well, I was going to say, but that. look, that's all right. Hey, great we're, we're exegetical minds yeah. think alike. See, <laughs> that's that? what I was going to say. Good the Bible study was good. Yeah, yeah. that's. A, I mean, that's an excellent point that you're making. You know, we're seeing, you know, okay, what is what does Herod ask of his military? What does Herod do in the midst of his disciples or his followers or the people that are underneath him? And then what does Jesus do? What yeah. are the disciples? How do the disciples respond to Jesus when he gives, when he says, yeah. let's do this, you know, well, much and, differently than Herod and, well, and then And, and, and applying it to us. Yeah. When we're in this situation, because we're, we're I, I think it's, it's safe to say we will never be in the same situation that yeah. Herod's in. Right. But we'll be in similar situations where we may be, um, where we may have said something or, or made a decision that right. is wrong, mm -hmm. and instead of backing up and saying that, you know what, I was wrong to make that call, mm -hmm. um, I, I think that this is a better direction, let's go that way. Yeah. Herod doubles down. Yeah. He could have said that, you know what, You're right. I, I made this yeah. oath, but I, I'm going to back up, back yeah. out of it. Uh, we already see that he has no concern over living to the full letter of the law, right. um, and, and so he could have backed out of this. Right. And that's bad leadership. A good leader would say, I did something wrong, I shouldn't have said that, I opened my mouth, but instead they double down, dig their heels in, and try to always prove that they're always right no matter yeah. what. Right. Yeah. That's a good point. Well, let's look then. So the scene unfolds, and John the Baptist is beheaded, and they even literally bring and give the, the head on a platter. The kind of, as a trophy, almost, of the situation. Yeah. Well, his disciples, these are John's disciples, came and took away the body and buried it, and they went and reported to Jesus. So they try to give him an honorable burial the best they can. And yeah. it's neat that, I mean, we see throughout the, the Gospels that the disciples of John had an interest, had a desire to, to learn and understand what Jesus was and yeah. his message. And here mm -hmm. we see that John's disciples sought Jesus out. Yeah. Right. That, and, and we're going to see the, the, the love and the compassion that Jesus had for John um, but I, I think it's important that Matthew records that John's disciples went and found Yeah, Christ. they're they're together. It's not competing yeah. teams or nothing here. No, they're part of the same message of, of the kingdom. Yeah. So Jesus hears about, this is Matthew 14, verse 13. Jesus heard about John, and that when he did that, he withdrew from there in a boat to a secluded place by himself. And when the people heard of this, they followed him on foot from the city. So Jesus takes some time to mourn. He goes off in a boat to a secluded place and I imagine prays and weeps and, and is mourning the situation, the death of, well, it's his cousin, right, too, and his friend and, a, you know, a fellow minister and all of that. So he, he's mourning the situation. No, yeah. yeah. Uh, I was just going to point out a structural bookmark here. Well, I think in Bear Valley they call them bookends. Um, but heard and heard, this idea of, you know, what does Herod do when he hears and then what does Jesus do when he hears? Um, you know, what does Herod do when he hears of Jesus doing this thing, and then all of a sudden we have uh, Jesus hears, and then look right below that, the crowds hear it. Okay. Uh, and so they respond in different ways. Jesus responds in a way, in, in the wake of, of John the Baptist by mourning. The people hear that Jesus is going to this desolate place, and they respond by following, by walking. Um, Herod uh, responds with something much different. This is John the Baptist. Well, he's fearful because he's afraid that John the Baptist is going to come back and yeah. And repay him. So maybe. the question for us is for, how do we respond when we hear? That's what, right? yeah. yeah. So that's a good, I mean, I think, point to 
grab onto and kind of grasp here. Um, how do we respond when we when we hear things, when we hear truth, when yeah. we hear news? How do we respond? Uh, you know, when we're called out on our sins, how do we respond? Uh, you know, to trials. How do we respond to anything? Yeah. Um, what's the right way to do that? Um, All right, very, very good but, um, textual markers in there. Yeah. Well, what Jesus does is the people did hear about him, so they come and they find him. They followed him on foot. So Jesus is kind of going in the water, and they're kind of mm-hmm. following along the shore, and he, they follow him on foot from the cities. When he went ashore, verse 14, he saw a large crowd, and he felt compassion for them, yeah. and he healed their sick. And I, I kind of wrote this in my notes. It just kind of stood out to me, and I don't know if it's that big of an issue here or anything, but he's mourning, he's sad, but instead of just sitting around being sad, he saw an opportunity to do good, and he felt compassion and healed people. Yeah. Well, and that's what, whenever we see times where Jesus had compassion, mm-hmm. he took action. Mm-hmm. And, and I think where, where you may be going is in times where we are, are hurting, when we're struggling emotionally, when we're uh, depressed, when we're mourning, best thing that we can do to pull ourselves out of it is to go help and serve yeah. other people. We have a tendency to turn inward. Yeah. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to my room. I'm going to be alone. Leave me alone. Yeah. But he goes out and serves. Yeah. And I, I think that is, I think it's a good point for us to because we out. get selfish sometimes in those we moments, do. but Jesus doesn't. Right. And to point out kind of what you've been going back to, you're talking about leaders, you know, good leaders are empathetic. Yeah. You know, Jesus here is empathetic towards the people, you know, even though he has no reason to be. You know, these people have followed him from somewhere. What, what reason does he have to be? What reason does he have to be? I mean, he's the star to be empathetic, and I think that there's a contrast there. We could say, you know, good leaders are empathetic, bad leaders are selfish. Yeah, they you ignore. Know? Um, I, I so, just like that they're not an inconvenience. No, they not. would be to me. I mean, I'd be like, leave me alone, guys. I need some quiet time, right? I mean, <laughs> right, truthfully, right. that's how we would normally be when someone like that died. Right. But Jesus feels compassion and he heals their sick. And then it says, when it was evening. The disciples came to him and said, This place is desolate, and the hour is already late, so send the crowds away. Again, they're an inconvenience. Send yeah, them get away. Them, get them, out get of them away. He says that they may go to the villages and buy food for themselves. So the disciples are like, Look, it's late. People need dinner. Send them away. And Jesus said to them, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And I don't know, from a, a teaching standpoint, to me, I'm like, this is a sermon time right here. Because so often we think, yeah. well, people need to do this, or they should do that, or they should go away. Jesus never sends them away. He goes, let us give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. So they said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fish. And so now we're familiar with this miracle. I'm sure most of our listeners are too. But so Jesus says, don't send them away. You feed them. They said, we don't really have any food. All we got is our own food, five loaves and two fish. Jesus says, bring them here to me. So ordering the people to sit down on the grass. So he tells everybody to sit down. He took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up toward heaven, he blessed the food and breaking the loaves, he gave them to his disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds, and they all ate and were satisfied, and they picked up what was left, over of the broken pieces, twelve full baskets, and there were about five thousand men who ate besides men or besides women and children. So it's a huge miracle yeah. that happens. The basic miracle is Jesus took a tiny bit of food and was able to feed the masses with yeah. it. And that's that's a miracle. And it's a different miracle too. Yeah. Because normally it's I heal you, I cast out a demon, but now it's kinda like this supernatural replication of items. I haven't seen a miracle like this yet either. So it's kind of unique in that regard. 
Well, and also though uh, he prefaces it, but he still did heal them. Yeah. Yeah. Right? He healed uh, them. Sick. But and and it took a while. But then he turns around um, and, and he feeds them. He feeds them bread. He feeds them fish. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's tying in to this this whole going back to uh, the question that Herod asked on on who is this Jesus? Because mm-hmm. they viewed John as a prophet, um, and Jesus is a prophet, but he's more than a prophet as well. And I think we see some allusions here with the food that Jesus replicated to God. Yeah. Because God was able to uh, take care of the nation of Israel in captivity with meat and bread. Right. Did I steal another point? No, no, no. no. I just, I, I was making these connections as you're talking and I'm like, man, I was just going to say that and he just said it. See, we're all learning as we go. We're all making connections. It's good, man. But I, I know it's just this miracle. It's funny to me because we always kind of this is always a kiddie story. Usually, it's a Sunday school story. But there's so much depth here of what happened. I mean, well, I mean, think about being in the place of the disciples. I yeah. Mean, you you've got you're following this guy who's doing these incredible things, and you're pretty certain that he is that he's not saying who he is, but we're pretty sure we have an idea of who this guy is, and he's feeding. He's, he tells them, he's like, look, we're like, look, we don't have enough food to feed these yeah, people. Yeah, they were practical. We need to send them away. We send them away. Them. I mean, we're far, we're yeah. far away from any place yeah. that we could get yeah. any type of food well, in order to feed these I people. I barely have enough food. for. This isn't enough for, to fill my belly. Yeah. I yeah. got five loaves or dinner rolls, essentially, yeah. and two little sardines. Uh, how right. am I supposed to feed 5,000 men plus women and children with, with this? Right. It's not even enough for me. Right. What about two things? The disciples were participants in the miracle too, they because were. the disciples yeah. are the ones passing out the loaves and fish. So it's almost like I give you a loaf, another one appears. Wait I give you a loaf, another one appears. Yeah. Right. They had to have their minds blown this entire time as this is happening. Yeah. Well, and, and tying back to the the contrast with Herod, Herod had his people behead John the Baptist. Mm-hmm. Jesus has his people go serve the people. Yeah, go serve mm-hmm. the people. So Jesus feels compassion. He doesn't send away people in need. They serve the people. And, I mean, even then it says, and they all ate and were satisfied. He doesn't leave till the job is done. And, I mean, so much lessons for us yeah. in ministry. I mean, that everyone ate. Everyone yeah. was satisfied. Je- Jesus brings you food. Jesus brings you satisfaction. And there's more left over. Yeah, there's more left over. And notice verse 21 says, there were about 5,000 men who ate, <laughs> not counting the women and the children. So the feeding of the 5,000, it could have been the feeding of the 15,000, yeah, I mean, for all we least. know or something. So, I mean, it's an amazing scene, but it just stands out to me that, that he cared about the people. John, or Herod, I keep saying John, Herod didn't care about the people, but Jesus did. So a lot of great lessons there for us. Quick question. Verse 19, it says that Jesus looked up to heaven and said a blessing. One, I think it's really cool that Jesus always gives thanks or offers a blessing for his food. Um, why do we bow instead of look up to heaven like Jesus? Why, why do we bow when we pray? Well, there's multiple postures of prayer we see in the Bible. Yeah. We have kneeling. We have arms up. We have looking up to the heavens. We have falling down on the ground. We, have, we don't necessarily mention folding our hands quietly at the table. Yeah. And so someone asked me that one time before. They said, well, how come Because we fold our hands? I said, probably because kids don't sit still. You know what I mean? And then, so it's because it forces them to do that. It stops from hitting each other. But the bowing our head and like that, it is one of many ways to pray. Um, it is just the one that I think in our culture we've grabbed onto. Um, in First Timothy, talks about men lifting holy hands, you know, and praying. You look at some ancient inscriptions, you have people arms up like this praying. So, I mean, I, I think a lot of it is just 
whatever uh, opportunity arises, whatever is practical and whatever is relevant and cultural. So that's what he chose to do here. Um, he's looking up to heaven, and he does it. So I don't have an easy answer why we do that. No, I was just curious. Um, probably because way back when, when someone told somebody to pray, they said, well, close your head and uh, close your eyes and bow your head to get you to focus and pay attention. Right. And it stuck with us from maybe being a little kid, and that's what we do. So, I mean, I've tried to employ different prayer postures in my own life mm-hmm. um, for different situations, and I, I recommend all people do that. So Jesus looks up to heaven, though, and he does, and he prays, and the people were satisfied with the miracle. Well, go ahead. No, I'm just going to say, I, I'm just, I, every time I read this miracle, I'm just dumbfounded by the way, not only the way that Jesus responds to the people, but just what's it like to be a part of that crowd that's seeing this? Mm-hmm. You know, can you put yourself in the place and say, what if this just happened? You know, I, I'm adamantly seeking and trying to follow this guy, and all of a sudden, you know, he's healing our sick and he's feeding us yeah. from nothing. He has nothing. nothing. He's magically a, making food appear. He says they're in a desolate place. Yeah. And you wonder why the people followed him. I, you know, and it just, I just, it just blows my mind every time to think that, that that's, you know, that, you know, if we're going to pull out characteristics of Jesus, you know, maybe we can't multiply fish or food or things like that. But the idea of, you know, having empathy on people, you know, somebody needs something, you know, we have something that we can supply to somebody else. Let's, let's do that. You know, uh, on top of, you know, like you pointed out, you know, if you're the best way to pull yourself out of a ditch is to do something good, someone else. you know, yeah. and I don't know that that's necessarily why Jesus is doing this miracle, but I think that's a good application for us to say, you know, it's like, what, what if we're, what if we're angry? What if we just did something good yeah, instead of, instead of, if I'm sad, what if I gave someone food? I mean, all of that. I mean, well, and, and I think also to, Drive the point that Matthew, I, I think Matthew's making here, one of the points he's making, yeah. he's making a lot of points, right. but the contrast between the leadership of Herod, the leadership of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Herod was was uh, all about me. Right. Jesus is all about the. Yeah. Yeah. And imagine, you know, the thousands of people here that experienced this miracle, the stories they told when they went home, and the message, the good deeds and the compassion. If Jesus would have just kept to himself, it would have spread. In 14.1, Herod heard about the fame of Jesus. Yeah. He heard about the news of Jesus. Right. Jesus was wildly popular. Yeah, this is everyone knew about like wildfire. Yeah. I mean, it's just well, yeah. I think that's a good place for us to stop then tonight. But let, let's draw some lessons. I wrote some down that I, I had some important takeaways. Maybe you guys have some others to share. But the death of John the Baptist was very tragic, mm-hmm. and it shouldn't have happened. It happened because of bad leadership. Um, it, we see in that section there the value of marriage. I mean, John's message had yeah. to do with marriage. You know, you're not supposed to take a flippant view of marriage, right? Just leave one person and marry another. That's not the way it's supposed to be. Um, Herod was very preoccupied with impressing others. But Jesus, on the other hand, put the needs of others before himself because he felt compassion on them. And that's a lesson for us. Anything else you guys want to emphasize before we close? I, I just the, the reaction of Herod and Herodias uh, when their sin was exposed. Yeah. I, I think that that is one that I need to work on is when I have opportunities to improve or when someone points out uh, a sin in my life or even and just an opportunity to, to be better at something, uh, do I react defensively and just want to shut you down or do I do you take accept it, it. Or accept it humbly and receive it? Very good. Anything That's else good. stood out to you? Um, you know, especially from, you know, when I look at Herod, it is, you know, I have a problem with it and I'm sure other people do, you know, don't make prop- promises you can't keep. There you go, yeah. You know, don't, don't say things that you can't uphold. Um, Herod clearly he couldn't uphold that. Um, he, yeah. His mindset was somewhere else, and 
But he ran yeah. his mouth, promised something, and then he it's had like, to. Oh, oh, yeah. Wait a minute. Yeah. Uh, the other one is, you know, God provides in times of need. You yeah. Know, oh, yeah. It, you know, whether you're, I mean, that's just. This is does, point, and you know. did through Jesus here. <laughs> I don't know what else to say no. about that. That's, and I yeah. think that those are all, and I love how each one of us had a different takeaway that spoke to us in our own life, yeah. and, and yet it's applicable to all, and I, that's the beauty of yeah. God's Word. Well, I thank everybody for tuning in uh, this evening to our study. Remember, we do a Zoom class on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock where we can all discuss you know, what we've been working through here in this text, so I encourage you to be part of that. Hit one of us up if you have you know any questions about that. As for congregational activities, we are continuing with our Sunday morning 8 a.m. service um, outside for those that want to feel safe enough, you know, and, and are healthy enough to come on out and be part of that. But we're also doing a live stream at 1045 too that everybody can view online. And we also have some other activities going on here with the church. We're trying to find ways of keeping people together the best way possible with some parking lot gatherings, Monday night for the master. There's still ways to keep these relationships going here in the church. But thanks for tuning in. Have a good evening.